Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Shovel Pass NFL Podcast. I'm Nick Sawyer, and as always, this week I'm joined by my brother Will and Chris Heim. This week, we also had the opportunity to have Chris's brother Phil on the episode, which was particularly timely because he is a staunch, staunch Patriots fan. And this week is our AFC-NFC East preview episode. So it was great having him on with us, and he had lots to say about the Patriots this year. We also got into Josh Allen's new contract with the Bills and what we can expect out of the Bills. We talked Cowboys and Dak coming back from injury just in time to save the day. We touched oh so briefly on the Jets, those hopeless, hopeless Jets. We all made a few predictions, and we even got into some off-script stuff, including Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech this week and the possibility of Phil Rivers coming out of retirement, where we might see him, and what we can expect. Anyways, we had a lot of fun making this episode, and it was a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did making it. Here we go. back for episode two this week we are uh, sitting down to talk about the afc and nfc east preview for uh, the upcoming 2021 season so let's open the floor and well let's take a quick vote which team should we uh pile on first <laughs> positive or negative <laughs> let's start you want to start with... start at the bottom yeah, you know what? Let's start the AFC East because I feel like we're going to spend some more time in the NFC dumping on those teams because it is an absolute garbage fire down there. So let's take a dump on my boys first. We'll take a dump on Will's boys next. Oh, actually, all right, them boys next. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm game. Uh, all right, so shall we start with uh, the New England Patriots? Let's go. Or do we want to start with the Buffalo Bills uh, and Josh Allen's new contract? I actually on his new contract, I actually didn't think it was the worst thing like for the Bills. I actually thought it was a great move for the Bills to obviously lock him up long term. Now, I also hope that we start to see 2018 Josh Allen come out again, not and not borderline MVP Josh Allen. So that's where I'm hoping that they get locked into a long term deal that ends up eating them in the butt. So that's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, I think it's a good deal. I think uh, the the Bills obviously will be the number one team in that conference in that division this year. So. Um, I, think I don't Patriots, think that's much of a mystery. No, and I think I think my guys are we're going to be number two because I think one of the things that I'm curious to hear what you guys think, but from a person who's watched this division very close to the past, you know, decade and a half, I don't think the Dolphins are as good as advertised. I think they got a lot to go, and I think the Jets are still the Jets. Like we've seen or heard rather, Zach Wilson in the green kind of scrimmage they had the other day, 
it's a great it's the fucking Jets. Nobody cares. But but he just <laughs> absolutely stunk it up in that scrimmage. So to me, I'm like Nikhil Harry, which I know not really the most exciting of players, but he's killing it in camp. And all of, like okay, all right, slow down, slow down. Mm-hmm. Which team are we doing first? <laughs> oh, sorry. I like to go all over the place. Let's start with the Bills. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the Bills. That's that's the big news this week. Josh Allen just got a mega deal. It comes not too long after Dak Prescott got his long-awaited deal, one he worked really hard for. <laughs> and then Josh Allen just kind of slips in behind him and says, okay, cool. I'll take a little more money than that. <laughs> Deservedly too, I think. I think Josh Allen, honestly, is a better quarterback than Dak. As 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 much as Dak is a winner, as much as Dak is, um, uh, shown he's capable of putting up numbers in that, uh, you know, uh, '90s time capsule of a roster that is, or rather, of a franchise that is the Cowboys. So, uh, I think Josh Allen, being Josh Allen, he's so big, he's so strong, he's got such a good arm. He turned. He was so amazing last year i don't think i've ever seen dak look that good uh obviously i don't watch cowboys games that often because because i have um some grasp on my mental health so i don't want to watch the house play but uh i'm curious what you guys think because because i think it's like phil said it's a good contract i think uh like looking booking the breakdown over time it's going to get more and more team friendly and it's going to keep josh allen happy and it's going to keep the bills happy so that's a great move in my opinion because he's going to keep okay so so I'll jump in next. I I had a look at the contract and the breakdown because when it's first reported and they say it's a six-year, 200 and what, $258 million deal? Something like that. Your eyes kind of pop out, right? Your jaw hits the floor like, whoa, what? No way. When you actually look at it, it's not really a $258 million deal. It's more like a five-year, $164.5 million deal. Mm-hmm. because in five years this contract's getting redone like he's not going to get to the end of the contract and most of that money isn't isn't guaranteed so um it is from what i can see it's the second biggest contract behind mahomes but practically speaking he gets 150 million guaranteed practically speaking that's not fully guaranteed but the contract's built for him. And how old is he right now? 25 years old? Yeah, basically. You know, he's just a year younger than us. Yeah, so he's going to... <laughs> yeah, he's going to get that. So $100 million up front, guarantee. And that $100 million is spaced out, kind of pe- chunked up between now and 2024. So in comparison, $95 million, uh was the number that Dak hit. So it's a little bit more than Dak. Ten million more is additionally is guaranteed next March. So he's gonna get to next March and he's gonna get that 10 million. So there's 110 million practically guaranteed. And then uh in March 2023, he gets another 13 and a half million guaranteed of his 2024 salary, as well as 16 and a half million of his 2024 roster bonus, which essentially makes it 140 million by March of 2023. Now he does get another another chunk 
sort of the next year in 2024. And everybody expects him to be playing in, in Buffalo in 2024. But I'm looking at March 2023 saying, okay, so if he makes it through the next two years, he's getting $140 million. I think he makes there like I, I think almost it doesn't matter how badly he plays. He's getting to that March 2023 number mm-hmm. unless he craters the next two years. In which case you're looking at a Carson Wentz situation. And they're going, well, wait a second, we've got, you know, whatever that is, $30 million in March 2023 that we don't want to kick in. But I think the cap charge would be prohibitive i don't know i can't remember what i saw on spot track anyways the point being is he's essentially got 140 million that he's he's gonna get to without too much trouble anyways the other part the other point that i would make about this contract though is that the first three years are team friendly they've actually controlled the cap charges over the next three years while their Super Bowl window is open to allow them to sign free agents and re-sign players that they need to keep the core together and actually make a run at it for the next few years. So, uh, yeah, I would agree. All in all, I think it's a, I mean, they had to do it, and they did it in a way that allows them to not handcuff themselves too badly and then redo the deal when, you know, when the numbers get crazy. Yeah, and I think um, I think Patty Mahomes kind of laid the groundwork for that last year, kind of taking a weird hybrid approach to the Tom Brady model of always kind of taking probably friendly deals and doing shorter term kind of lower average value deals to kind of give the team some more flexibility. But they still get the on paper kind of benefit of being like, okay, we have the biggest contract in, in football. And Josh Allen, I think, has now the title for uh, biggest guaranteed contract in football, I guess, something like that. So it's all those things that like, you know, the next guy hits the market's going to reset it. So one of the things I think actually interesting with the Josh Allen deal is like, what does that mean for Lamar? Uh, like, what does that mean for you? Like he's up for negotiation. He's, he was an MVP. Like Josh was a borderline MVP, but like Lamar was an actual MVP. Granted, I still think Josh is a better thrower of the football and a better quarterback likelier to lead you to a championship. But if you're talking to act like talking about like what someone is worth to a team, Lamar has an over 80%, let's say, you know, winning percentage. Right. So does that mean that, uh, he gets kind of uh, to split the difference between Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes. Like that's what I'm curious about, but you know, that's a Ravens issue. That's a topic well, for a different. <laughs> jump in. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't personally, I wouldn't put that on Lamar Jackson. I think, I think he gets a deal that's similar to Josh Allen. Uh, whether or not he's received an MVP, I don't know. Uh, for me, Josh Allen has every bit as much value, if not more. Uh, to to its franchise and and to the future prospects uh, of winning Super Bowl than Lamar. So that's that's just me. Um, I mean, I, I take exception saying Josh Allen is hands down better than Dak Prescott. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Dak has shown greater potential in almost every field, but he's also older. They're expecting Josh Allen to continue to improve and for him to be better by the time he's 28 years old. Dak Prescott already is 28 years old, and he's coming off a pretty gruesome injury. So there's certain discounts that With are an aging kind of, O-line. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, and, and for Dallas, a lot of it uh, also comes down to how much are they willing to devote 
to him when they've got some other uh, roster costs right now. So there's some pressures there. Bills have, I think, a little bit more flexibility to you know get this done. Understand that Josh Allen is the kind of linchpin to work around. Uh, so I don't have a problem with the deal, and I don't have a problem that it's a little bit higher than tax. Uh, I think it was well earned by him, um, and and we'll see if he lives up to it. Yeah, the out is basically after 2025. His dead cap charge in 2025 is 20 million. Uh, in 2024, it's 38 million. So really, they're not cutting him until 2026, at least. In which case, that's where they'd either redo the deal or move on. It feels so Anyways. hard to project any quarterback that long. That's not. Patrick Mahomes, you know what I mean? Like, as good as Josh Allen looked last year, talking about 2026, that's five seasons from now, right? In my head, I have a tough time expecting any young quarterback outside of Patrick Mahomes to still be with that team and still, you know, be potentially demanding as much, if not a bigger contract the next time around. Just because that's how good Patrick Mahomes is. And as, as, as good as Josh Allen was, like I said, um, it's still it's still tough to see him without a doubt, you know, hands down being the guy for Buffalo in 2026 as of right now, which is, I guess, why the contract is structured that way. But if by like 2023, 2024, they might start, you know, seeing a little sign they want to go in a different direction, I'd be really curious to see how that plays out. I don't disagree with you, honestly. He's had one year, one stellar year. But the year before, he was a serious liability. Mm-hmm. Like he had some uh, issues. He was a runner. His accuracy was very suspect. His decision making was questionable at best. He wasn't clutch. Last year he was amazing, but I was shocked. Honestly, I missed the beginning of my fantasy draft last year and it auto drafted Josh Allen and I was furious because I thought I was screwed. I mean, talk about pleasant surprises, but. But man, I was not happy. So, <laughs> well, for me, honestly, I I felt like the year before he built across the year, and towards the end of the season, he was actually playing really, really well. Uh, he did hit the playoffs, and felt like the situation was a little bit too big for him. So I, I won't say that he was super clutch right at the end of the season. It did seem like he was a bit nervous, jittery, uh, getting into the playoffs. But the latter part of the season, I thought he was doing really well, and I wasn't entirely shocked when he started lighting up this past year. To the degree that he did, no, maybe I, I wasn't expecting that, but I don't know many people who were predicting that level of performance. Um, but I thought he was going to do pretty well. I thought he was on the right track. Okay, so quick prediction. Is Josh Allen... Like the next four years of his career, is he Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott? I think Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. Yeah, definitely Dak. Definitely Dak. All right. All right. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I really hope he turns into Carson Wentz. Like, I really hope he, does that. I, really hope he I, saw, I remember uh, like going in 2019 to a Buffalo Bills game when Tommy was still with the Pats, and Josh did not look nearly as good. He did not look like the player he was last year, right? So 
I hope we see that guy again. But yeah, definitely Dak. <laughs> Dak over Carson. I I honestly Carson Wentz is remarkable. I mean, we'll get we'll get into the the Philly situation. Mm-hmm. I, well, I guess we're not really going to talk about Carson Wentz today. But quickly, like talk about turning into a pumpkin at midnight. Holy yep, shit. Exactly. I got a whole uh, shield plan for that, like defending Carson Wentz. Right. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm gonna Philly, talk the other way around. Because I think it was like a complete just quitting of I don't know, just mental. Well what did, what did I what did I say Philly was before we started recording? What did I call it? It was something like a sinkhole. It's Philly's yeah. a sinkhole for, for player talent. Like good lord. There's it just for any kind of in seemingly intelligence because all of a sudden like we thought howie rosen was this brilliant gm and then within a year and a half it was one of the worst rosters no, no, no. especially howie offensively told us he was a brilliant gm that's the difference he <laughs> told us he was brilliant GM. we never thought he was true, well he true. did win a super bowl <laughs> they did yes. in fairness no, no, you're right you, absolutely but then, bowl, but then but then every every move after that super bowl seemed to be to destabilize the foundations of that super bowl mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen that before, where they're just like, all right, you know, everything that works, just hack away at it, take it apart, and, like, let's literally, let's go into a rebuild after a Super Bowl. I've never seen that. But we'll get there next week. <laughs> okay, well, no, no, we're doing it today, man. No, I mean, sorry, sorry. The Carson Wentz defense, defense oh, will be next week. Yeah, I'll present yeah, my yeah. facts and but figures. Philly, we're doing Philly today. Philly will, so. Philly all right, will, so quickly, let's that. finish up on Buffalo. So Buffalo, uh, key additions, they re-signed Matt Milano. They re-signed tackle Daryl Williams. They re-signed guard John Feliciano. Uh, They cut John Brown and replaced him with Emmanuel Sanders. Nice. They signed Mitch the Biscuit Trubisky. Oh, that's not a good... As as a relief pitcher, (laughs) I, I honestly, I would. As a relief pitcher, like... Trubisky with a good coach and a good system can look well, like look good like he did in 2019. But so I I think he's he's not someone you want going out of the tunnel leading your team, but he's someone where, you know, Josh Allen hits his hand, he's out for three drives. You plug in Trubisky, the offense isn't going to fall apart. He has a starting experience. I think he has a winning record as a starter. And this team is offensively a little more talented than Chicago's was. Uh, So I, I don't expect him, obviously, to supplant josh allen at all ever but like as a relief pitcher so to speak like i think he's a pretty good one you can do a lot worse than trubisky i don't hate I'll say my one question mark with the bills is their run game outside of josh allen yeah uh i they haven't added anyone to my knowledge that really improves their their running back room and uh Devin Singletary has not been the answer. Not yet. He's barely at the okay bar. But I I wonder if how much of the Emmanuel Sanders pickup uh, addresses that kind of indirectly in that maybe they're hoping that if they start introducing a couple more kind of like intermediate slash short crossing routes and kind of like passing concepts, that can kind of supplement the lack of of running. No, no. The Steelers did that. doesn't do the same job. The Steelers did that and they flamed out. Like, obviously, Big Ben wasn't playing as well as Josh Allen. He was coaching you guys. Okay, let's let's not even do that, Phil. Let's let's not even do that. I'm just saying. Mike Tom has never had a below 800 season. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Let's not even even go there. (laughs) Okay, so they did add Matt Breda, who was... A You're solid right? home run hitter for the Niners right. two years ago. And then last year, he disappeared in Miami. 
So was it the system that didn't fit or the coaches didn't utilize him correctly, or is he just not that good? And Kyle Shanahan got the very, very best out of him. I don't know. Might add a little wrinkle to the bills, but I tend to agree. I mean, the running game isn't exactly uh, fierce. Um, the the thing is with Buffalo, you got to remember the running backs are not their running game alone. Singletary's decent. I actually like the guy. I don't think he's an all world running back, but he's solid. And you have Josh Allen. So when you've got a linebacker playing quarterback uh, who can run over anybody and makes up a large portion of their running game, I don't know. Well, that's why I said that's time Josh Allen, but. For me, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, consistent run game, delivering you consistent results on offense. You can have a high-flying passing game. You can have a running quarterback, and and it will deliver you results in large quantities at times, but it doesn't necessarily give you the consistency and the ability to grind out teams the way a really solid running game does. So if I'm pointing at flaws in the Bills, that's probably near the top for me. Um, and the other and I concern think that's where is that you just to improve the most. Yeah, and and the other thing you got to consider too is you just gave your quarterback a bag of money. He's your golden goose, and you're gonna run him into the ground like you did Cam. Yep. I mean, Cam is as big and as strong and as scary as any quarterback we've seen ever. And he got broken down by the way they were using him in Carolina. Like you're gonna do the same thing to Josh Allen in Buffalo if you keep running him like like a running back. If he is your running game. Yeah. 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 I think the only I mean, difference is though is that in Carolina, I, I think Chris might say uh, might add on this too, but um Cam, like he didn't have a throwing, I guess, game to kind of fall back on, right? Like he was never as polished of a thrower as Josh Allen is. Like, and even Josh Allen, who everyone kind of touts as like, or not touts, but is the opposite of touted as being some guy who didn't do those seven on seven camps when he was younger, who didn't have elite coaching when he was younger, but he was always a great natural thrower of the ball as like even a, a, I guess, a superstar baseball player too, right? So Cam, for instance, like, yeah, he got beat up, but I feel like Josh just can last a little longer. So even if he is, just your running game he can at least you can still pull that back and kind of just go air raid now granted like you mentioned you do lose the running game aspect but at least it's like in buffalo brian dable has opportunities to pivot that away like he can pull back but you're right if they if they run him to the ground and like if he's their lead running back that is not a recipe for sustainable success sorry go and on. they just can't uh, lean on him too much that's all well exactly. on top of what phil was saying as well i think josh allen in terms of passer he's improved uh his completion percentage every year as a starter 2018, 2019, 2020, he's improved, I think, at least three percentage points every year in terms of completion percentage. So I think Josh Allen, big, strong, athletic as he is, he's going to have a real good opportunity to become a little bit more of a drop-back pocket passer in the mold of a Big Ben when he was at his heyday as a thrower, right? I don't think Josh Allen will have his body deteriorate necessarily as quickly as Big Ben's did oh, because Big Ben doesn't really work out. But that being said, Big Ben, despite what he looks like, is a fantastic athlete. The fact that he's 39 and 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 even though his, his arm just ran out of juice, like the fact that he's still so damn hard to tackle. He's still so good, Big Ben, at, at, at kind of elongating the play and, and kind of escaping trouble. 
Josh Allen has that, and I think we'll be a little more efficient at it because he's part of that younger cohort of, of athletes now that are really hyper-focused on uh, maximizing their body's potential and its longevity. Um, so Josh Allen strikes me as a smart kid, uh, very much like Patrick Mahomes in the full commitment, laser focus towards football, which which also means sacrifice in the offseason. So I think Josh Allen, give it three, four, five years. If they establish running game in that time, not even, it doesn't even have to be a top 10. It could be a top 15 running game. He can start becoming a more traditional quarterback. They'll still use him physically, um, you know, for some trick plays, get a few yards here and there. But I don't think his his presence on the goal line will be necessarily something the Bills lean on uh, in the red zone or the yeah. goal line. Like, they're not going to ask him to be the hammer as a quarterback. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, we got we to gotta move this along a little bit. We're going to spend too long on Buffalo, and we're not going to get to any other teams. So um, – I will say real quickly, the Buffalo Bills have the 23rd. They're ranked number 23 in strength of, strength of schedule. So they don't have a very strong um, high strength of schedule, meaning, you know, they have one of the easiest schedules in the league. That's what I'm trying to say, guys. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, and, and um, they didn't even need that to win their division. Handily, I don't think so. We uh, all agree. Consensus: Buffalo yeah. wins the division. Okay. Buffalo wins, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on. So, what do you want to do next, Miami? I'm down to do Miami because I really think that okay. uh, they're not nearly as great as everyone is saying they are. And don't get me wrong, I love Ryan Flores. I think he's probably the first and thus far only of uh, Bill Belichick's former protégés that actually wasn't a total lemon as a head coach. I think he's a great head coach, but it's like now they just got to get their quarterback right. And from what I saw last year, watching a little more Miami Dolphins games than most people who have eyes subject themselves to, he wasn't the greatest of throwers. He did look a little unconfident behind kind of those, uh, <laughs> you know, or rather in front of those NFL pass rushes. So, uh, and, and even his training camp thus far has been a mixed bag, right? So I think Buffalo, or not Buffalo, Miami will ride or die with Tua because there's just so much talent on that offense. Like they've brought in, I think, what, Kenny Stills, uh, who they draft to. They drafted Jalen Waddle too. Like they brought in so much talent out wide. They have embarrassment of riches on the uh, in offense to kind of play with for Tua. So they're going to live and die by him. And I think by extension, so will that front office. Because I think at this point, this is, I think they're heading into what, year three or four at this point. But you guys have had enough time to turn it around. Let's stop hearing about when you guys are going to make that next, or the next steps you're making, let's actually make that next step. But until I see them in the playoffs again, I'm not going to believe it. Cause again, I think the last coach that took them there was Adam Gase. So like, to me, it's like, if you can't even set the bar that that clown set, or you can't even clear that bar then, and you've had three, four years to do it, then we need a new coach. So that's, I think, honestly, like something you might hear with, with the Dolphins near the end of the season, if two can't turn it around. Can I just say, how dare you? Adam Gase is a saint. <laughs> saint. <laughs> He's a saint with his bug-eyed kind of press conferences. Sure, those are hilarious. But as a coach, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think the second season... We talked crazy eyes last week, yeah. We did. Good. We did. <laughs> Sorry, I go think, ahead, Chris. Uh, I think the second seed in the AFC um, East is really a toss-up between Miami and New England, but I lean towards Miami just because... And I, I reserve the right to revise my, you know, idea here after like week four of the season because I'm curious to see how all of those Pats additions in free agency pan out. Um, 
Bill Belichick isn't, he's as shrewd as he is, as strategic as he is. He's not known for being an offensive coach at all. And honestly, I, I mentioned this last week as well, but I don't, I'm not sold that Josh, uh, Josh McDaniels is, is, an, is a, a brilliant offensive coordinator. I'm not sold on that. I think he's probably a good one, but he's outside of Tom Brady has struggled offensively with anyone else. Right. So I don't know how, like Cam Newton is, is still limited uh, as a passer. Mac Jones, who knows how he'll be. We'll see in the preseason uh, what, you know, potentially he has. But it all depends on how quickly those free agent acquisitions, particularly tight end and receiver, um, acclimate to that system, which is notoriously dense and difficult to pick up. So honestly, the defense, they get Hightower back, I think. They get a few guys back who, who are, they brought, they re-signed uh, Van, uh, Van, what's his name, Vandenoy? Van no, What's his Kyle name? Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy. You're called you're thinking of Kyle Van and Bosch, also from yeah. the line, also yeah. player. Van Noy, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Kyle Kyle Van Noy. So they brought him back from Miami as a free agent, right? That's a huge that's a huge move because he's he was one of the best players for what two Super Bowls on that defense? Or three Why was Super he a free agent? They let, uh, they let him go. Well, <laughs> yeah, they let him go. Yeah, they cut him. The past <laughs> let him go. Actually, no, but, if I recall. If, and now this might actually be some shade at the Dolphins again, because from what I recall, it was like a, a miscommunication. I got not miscommunication, but like some blow up with um, Kyle Van Noy and like a, a disagreement with like the front office in Miami. So that's what I thought was curious too. I'm like, interesting, play more player friendly places are maybe kind of losing grips on locker rooms, which I guess yeah, we'll, we'll, have to get to we'll the, see, to we'll see. But, later, but so I, I don't, I don't, I don't expect the Pats to have any issues on defense or special teams this year. But I really, I'm just curious because Cam Newton had flashes, especially early in the season, of competency as a passer. But when he came back from COVID, it just all fell apart. And like I, I just can't in, in the no. year twenty in the year 20, 2020, I can't get behind the quarterback or any passing offense where your quarterback throws eight touchdowns over this I don't care that he only played Agreed. that he missed a few games, but like come on. So here's points to that is and I will not make excuses for the kind of stretch where Cam didn't play great. Except right now, because I'm about to make a whole bunch of excuses. So <laughs> essentially what happened was last season was a tale of COVID striking our team and us still going only seven, basically seven and nine off the strength of um, the greatest coach in NFL history. The fact that he did that is like, I really, I genuinely think he should have won coach of the year for taking by far the least talented roster in football and dragging them to the cusp of a 500 season granted seven and nine losing season. We obviously, okay. Know, I need to get, I need to get shit, sound but... effects. <laughs> I need a gong, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I need a gong. Coach of the year. No, I mean, <laughs> take of today. The least talented, most injury ravaged slash COVID ravaged roster okay, hold on. in football. Hold on, hold on. I, I don't know. Forty nine. I don't think so. I don't think so. You guys win on that one because you have the worst <laughs> training staff in the league. You have and the worst Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh had like three games rescheduled because opponents got COVID. No, no, Pittsburgh didn't have a bye week until. Team. That's not no, I, I, that's I know, I know, but the whole the whole rhythm of the schedule. They got their bye pushed from like week eleven to week four last year. Okay, children. Like they had a gauntlet. Children, this isn't Pats versus Steelers. We're not talking Steelers. Shut it, Chris. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Pats. <laughs> yes. All right. So there's a couple things that Chris, when you were doing your your breakdown of the Pats, I will say, McDaniel's is an offensive savant. He won a playoff game with Tim Tebow. <laughs> Against the Steelers. Against the Steelers. Drop the mic. Let's not, let's not forget that. 
That's it. That's all you need to know. But that was also the height of Tebow Mania. Tebow win a playoffs game with That's my Josh point. Daniels. That's my point. Because Tebow. I mean, Tim Tebow and Tom Brady are kind of closer than people think. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. As far as Miami goes, I like I like Brian Flores. I think he's an excellent coach. So, um, I think they're going to take a step forward. I think they're going to be better than last year. I do agree that this is what year three of Brian Flores. So he's kind of got to get things going, or uh, he's going to feel his seat getting a little bit warmer. Um, I don't think I'm looking at who they added this offseason. They didn't make any major additions as far as I can see. They added Will Fuller. I don't know if that's what you meant, Chris, when they, you said Stills. Oh, yeah. That's yeah they added Will yeah, Fuller. They had Kenny Stills, but yeah, they got Will Fuller back now, too. William Fuller the fifth to a one-year contract. They also signed punter Michael Pilardi, which could be a real, Huge play. real savvy move. Yeah, Huge play. That guy's a loose cannon on the field. Right, and they cut Mr. Van Noy, uh, and they signed Jacoby Brissett. So if um, mm-hmm. that's a good play, that's a good play. If Tua isn't getting the job done, they got a, a competent backup. And with Flores, at least the way I, the way he's, the way I've seen him over the last couple of years, working with the quarterbacks he's had. He brings a certain attitude to his teams. There's a cult. There's a there's a a scrappiness to the teams that doesn't depend on the quarterback to be lights out. So they've found ways to win. That's what it feels like. They've found ways to win when they maybe shouldn't have. So I'm interested. I think I honestly I think Miami I think Miami uh, finishes second in this division. That's that's how I see it. Will. That's my call, too. Uh, it's narrow between them and the Pats, and it largely depends on a lot of the question marks. Like, for me, the Pats are, are a big, giant question mark with all the free agent additions they've made and uh, what Cam Newton looks like this year, whether they move to Mac Jones. They're not enough. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be better than Miami. I can believe it. I can see it happening, but uh, if I'm picking right now, I, I say Miami gets better. Well, also, I think all those free agent signings, they almost read as desperation. And that's obviously a very you know, hot take to say about Bill Belichick, because um, he's any, if anything, he's not a desperate man. But there might be a little bit of that playing in there. There might be, a, to, to play armchair psychologist, there might be a, a little bit of, you know, one-upsmanship where he's trying to get back to the pinnacle just so people won't won't keep saying, you know, Tom Brady might be more responsible for that path dynasty than Bill Belichick. I think Bill yeah, Belichick is... probably an element. Yeah, for sorry, sure. Sorry, I just jumped in on you. No, no, that's that's pretty much it. I was going to go on a tangent, so you're good. <laughs> uh, no, I was, <laughs> was going to say, I agree with you that there's probably a little bit of that, like, ah, oh, shit, Tommy just went and won a Super Bowl. I got to... Go. I got to pull up my 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 underpants and you know tighten my my boots. But I mean, um, that honest, that's yeah. an analogy for y'all. But no, I, what I was gonna say is, uh, um, shit. What was I gonna say? Uh, just a lot. Thanks a lot, Phil. Just, uh, <laughs> just lost it. 
I think we can all definitively agree that the Jets are well and truly at the bottom of this division, and there is no real hope that oh, they're going to change that. that's what I was going to say. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Maybe Belichick just realized that his roster... This is helping you out, Phil. This is to your point. You made a good point. Maybe Belichick just realized that his roster is dog shit, and he has to do everything. He has to buy a roster in the offseason. Yeah, because that's how it works. And again, I watch more AFC's football, obviously, because of Patriots fans. So, like, that's how, that was the Super Bowl in the Brady... Or, sorry, the Super Bowl recipe in the Brady years was quite literally give him dog shit to work with on offense because you know the GOAT will turn them into something. Uh, but he's still, obviously, something like that. Even he can't polish those turds. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, so that's what he would work on is you'd give him, you'd give him the bare minimum NFL-quality receivers, and then Belichick would do all his time on defense, right? But that, I think 2019 was kind of an admission of – or rather 2020, sorry, was certainly admission of being like, oh, wait a minute, that guy down in Tampa actually might have had a little more to do with our success – than anything maybe we should open this pocketbook and actually have i don't know nfl quality wide receivers outside of jacoby myers who i actually thought played pretty decently all things considered an undrafted rookie but golly did we have nothing to work with there were so many times i would watch cam last year who again not the greatest throw of football but he would skip a pass off the ground and most of the times intentionally because sometimes well, actually a lot of times unintentionally but a lot of times too last year was because <laughs> nobody was fucking open across the middle and you yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Across the that offense is disgusting. But it was just, uh, it was atrocious to watch. And it's like, that's for me where I get passionate as a Patriots fan. Because it's like, yes, I can yeah. acknowledge that Cam is not a great natural throw of the football. But I can also acknowledge that, holy, in that middle stretch of the season when we were really, really struggling, good God, did our offense suck. Like, he was not the problem. He was yeah. a contributing factor to it. But he was not like the main reason they were falling apart, which is no. Why yes, I you you really hit it. You hit the yeah. nail on the head when you say that Cam is not a polisher of turds. Um, <laughs> no, but he's also not part. And, he's and also not the problem. How hilarious! How hilarious is it that Nikhil Harry is uh, demanding Nikhil. a trade in the off season? I, mean, I think I think off. it's hilarious that he demanded a trade and then started killing it because I actually fucking love this now. Like, I'm is he like, killing oh, it? He's killing it now. I've seen good as him in training oh, okay. camp. I catch all the thing. Like he is killing it. So I really right. hope that he does. Hot start take. Doing this. Yeah, let's let's wait and see. We 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 have this on tape. So yep. Phil said <laughs> Nikhil been, Harry is killing it. Pencil let's wait down. and see how he's he does. Have does seven hundred yards and five. <laughs> okay, Ooh, I love it. Doubling his career totals. Doubling his career, more than doubling his career totals. <laughs> so, Wait, what again, did you say? Really, Seven hundred yards and five touchdowns and five tugs. That's my prediction right there. We can pencil that in. That is assuming he's a patriot. Assuming are we? Are we sure patriot, Cam's going to throw seven hundred yards this season? Well, I'm sure. No, five, five touchdowns. Here's the second hot take. Mac Jones is starter come week six. That's the second. Oh. All right. Okay. So Jets. Let's get. Let's get on with this. We gotta. We gotta pick up the pace a little bit. But the Jets. I mean, I think yeah. we can all. Uh, we can all um, agree nice. that the Jets are a dumpster fire. They're not good. Yeah. They're gonna be awesome. last in this division. Probably last in the league. The, dra- the drafting of of. Uh shit! What's his name? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. <laughs> yep. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's not gonna save their season. Trey Lance or Justin Fields were both better prospects like, uh, You know, uh, a breaker high student <laughs> from the nineties TV show. Nineties, <laughs> right? Uh, I know. He, he he looks like he should be on Saved by the Bell. 
<laughs> doesn't he doesn't he have frosted tips oh it god sure no like it. it sure looks like it i hope not. his, his whole sure style looks like yeah i don't know 90s like <laughs> server dude <laughs> no that okay, that, so, yeah. that roster is so horrible that that's that's a that's a bottom two roster in the nfl i don't know who would rival them maybe detroit maybe the Bengals. i don't know but that's an awful roster. I don't know how good of a coach Robert Sala is. Obviously, Nick, you could speak better to that. You've watched him not calling the shots as the head coach like Shanahan, but you've seen what he can do to a defense. I, I'm curious to your input. I mean, I love the guy. He's he's a stud. He was with San Francisco. I think I'm rooting for him. I'd like to see him do well. Uh, I think he could create a culture. He seems like the type of guy who could create a high-energy, scrappy type of culture and maybe win some games that you're not supposed to. Um, he's a defensive coach, so that bodes well for Zach Wilson, I think. I, I like to see a quarterback going to a defensive team because they don't have to shoulder the load of carrying the team and throwing 400 yards. Um, that said, uh, a tweet uh, yesterday was, um, from somebody who was at camp Brian Costello. I don't know who that is. Zach Wilson, 11 of 24 for 112 yards and two Oof. INTs in That's the green and white, white scrimmage. Nothing makes me happy than watching the Jets burn and, 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 as a dumb. It's just, uh, it's just so delicious as a, as a Patriots fan. I mean, he's a rookie, but oh, no, Jets I get fans, it, like, like you just... got to feel bad for them every no, year. It's just impossible <laughs> for them to be good. I love it. I mean, their crowning achievement over the last, what? Three decades is the Sanchise. Actually, no. It's when Fireman Ed came back to games. That's the crowning achievement. Because the Sanchise got rid of Fireman Ed after I think it was at the butt fumble game. So it's when he came back. Because that marked the end of the Sanchise. Right. The dirty Sanchise is worse than Phil's mustache. <laughs> it's those into just many butts too. Oh no! Oh my oh, god! No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are we gonna? That's gonna get that one out. Gonna get... <laughs> <laughs> no, cool. I'll that keep some of the good. laughing in. We'll just take the. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on. NFC East. Let's have some fun with this one. But we got to. Uh, I think we got. Yeah. I don't want to have to cut too much out of this. So. Let's start uh, with I'm going to lead off on this one. So Dallas has absolutely far and away the most talented group in this division. It's not even close. Washington has no quarterback. Philadelphia has a first-year quarterback who has not shown that he can do anything, and the whole rest of the roster hasn't shown that they can do much either. Uh, and the New York Giants just look like a fucking mess right now. So, yeah. to me, Dallas has light years more potential than anybody else in this division, uh, and the only reason why they didn't absolutely just torch it last year was because Dak Prescott was injured. Now, that said, Dallas Cowboys currently have behind Dak Prescott Nobody of oh, note. <laughs> so as long as Zach Prescott is healthy and playing at 100%, I think the Dallas Cowboys run away with this division. But without Dak, if he gets injured, if he even gets injured for part of the season, 
it entirely goes in the wind. Uh, you know, they, they've Who got are? fucking Rush Bendanucci. and 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 Gilbert. Uh, that's not a quarterback room that instills any level of confidence. Uh, so they put all their cards, all their money on Dak, and if he stays healthy, then I think they have a great year. Well, Willie, I think to your point about the quarterback room, I think uh, one opportunity really presents itself now that uh, Justin Fields is a Chicago Bear, and I think that's potentially Dallas making a trade for uh, old Red Rifle again later on the season if they need to, <laughs> but that's <laughs> if necessary. But I do think that with Dallas, you have a good point as far as how great they are, uh, rather with talent on the roster, and that's what they've always been good at, is accumulating that talent. My issue is twofold. One, can Mike McCarthy – extract the most value possible from Dak. Obviously, we saw that five-game stretch where Dak was on pace for unreal numbers and otherworldly kind of uh, pass. Because their defense couldn't do anything. Or something? But that's exactly Seven. The right point, Chris. Defense Seven couldn't stop in those fields. But that's exactly right, Chris, because one of the biggest hires of this offseason is Dan Quinn as Dallas DC because obviously Mike Nolan was garbage. So I'm curious <laughs> to see how Dan Quinn, who was a good coordinator in Seattle, how he does – in Dallas, and if he can do even if he even makes them average, then I'm like their ceiling goes from they win their division to they can make a playoff push. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but if they can get to average, their ceiling is oh, we can go to like second round of playoffs easily. Not maybe easily, but like we can get so, like, I, uh, the one play. the one thing as as much as I want to have great optimism about the Cowboys, uh, and and I I'm cautiously hopeful that Dan Quinn will, will be a competent DC. Uh, he's also coming from Atlanta where last year they had the worst defense outside of Dallas. Still be Dallas. <laughs> and, and, oh, no, they that, lost. They lost. They lost. You're right. You're right. They yeah. Do it. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, anyways, and then they brought one of his coordinators from Atlanta as well. So it's kind of like, well, I, I hope that's a bit of an anomaly. Um, Dan Quinn has coached successful defenses in the past. And I'm hoping to, there's another kind of element here, not every coach is a great head coach. And just because they're a successful coordinator doesn't mean that they transition to head coach and their side of the field remains strong. Uh, there, there's a lot of examples of head coaches that- Bob Bowles are very successful as coordinators and they become head coaches and even on their specialty side of the field, it doesn't remain as strong. So I'm hoping he's one of those guys that you bring him back to what he knows, he's going to hold down the fort on defense and he's going to keep them successful. Uh, but his last stretch in Atlanta doesn't, doesn't inspire great things because let's remember Mike Nolan had some stretches of some very good defenses too. And he lit a giant garbage can full of shit last year. So, <laughs> so, so I'm cautiously I, hopeful. <laughs> let me, let me push back on you a little for um, that statement you had about Dallas being so talented that what's Dallas just run away. Cause I think Washington will win this division. And I think they'll win by at least two games. I think Washington will Whoa. be, I think Washington will be at least 10 and seven. They'll be a 10 win team. I think, <laughs> Dallas will be it. Well, that case. Okay, so here's the. Th I'll get there in a sec. Uh, so Dallas, I'll get. I'll get. I'll get there in a second. So Dallas, I think, will be a nine-win team at best. That's their ceiling. 
Um, and this is why. So last year, Washington had arguably – I'll say they had better quarterback play than Dallas, but not by much. Washington had slightly better quarterback play than Dallas, and they were 7-9 because that defense is a buzzsaw. That front four – Alex Smith and, and Ryan Fitz. Ryan Fitz. Yeah, Ryan Fitz is a better quarterback right now than Alex Smith was last year. He is going to get them an extra two wins at mo- oh, at least, but that defense has jumped up, and they get more players on offense. Terry McLaurin's out now in, what, his third year? He's going to take another step forward. That running, that running game's getting better and better. That O-line's getting better and better. Uh, that defense is unreal. Chase Young in his second year, that front four is one of the nastiest front fours I've seen the last decade and a half. That is the kind of front four where I watch them on the TV and I start sweating, thinking about how petrified I'd be if I was an O-lineman. If I'm a tackle trying to take on any one of those guys up there, I'm having a real tough sleepless night. So last year, Washington 7-9, pickup steam towards the end of the season. They knock off Pittsburgh in a very gritty game. Uh, their defense absolutely shuts down and provides a blueprint on how to slow down the Steelers who were on fire up until that point. Uh, and their own offense does enough to overcome a very good Steelers defense. And again, that was with effectively no quarterback. So Washington had a very similar issue to Dallas last year in the sense of lack of quarterback play, but Washington's head coach and their roster talent seemed to have been that good enough to get them seven and nine. Whereas what was Dallas last year? Five and 11. Was that, was Their that quarterback it? was unquestionably better. Yes, but not by much, not by leaps. And no, leaps. no, unquestionably like way better. I I agree, but I don't I don't I don't think you way can better. call Alex. I don't Dwayne know. Dwayne Haskins I, was way better than Dallas's quarterback rookie. Yeah, I don't know about Dwayne Haskins. Dallas Haskins was better, anemic. This Dallas was Dwayne... anemic without Dak yes, Prescott, but, and but especially the... considering all of their tools. But that's what I'm saying, though. Is 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 that means that that roster isn't that good. Like you have to be able to survive having not a bad quarterback. If you want to, if you want to say you're going to run away with division, like Deshaun Watson went four and twelve last year, and he's better than Dak Prescott in my opinion. And Deshaun Watson had an awful roster. You put Dak on that roster, I don't, I don't know if they win four four games. I, you put Tom Brady on that roster, they maybe win six. Last year, that's a terrible roster, right? I don't think Dak is going to be the guy who just takes Dallas clear of what. Like Washington is way too well coached. We can all agree, I think, Ron Rivera is better coach than McCarthy. And that oh, defense, man. That, that defense. That defense, dude. Like, I think the way – like, when Dallas and, and Washington first meet up, it's going to come down to Washington's very young defensive front pummeling an old, aging, and increasingly injured Cowboys offensive line and a rapidly declining Zeke. If that running okay, game doesn't so get off the ground – I mean, that's some – Fire. Rapidly declining Zeke is <laughs> is a little bit of a, a misleading statement. He had a bad year last year, and if he has another bad year, that's a big problem. But there is no decline. This isn't something where he is aging, where his legs are going. He has every ability this year to come back and, and have a year like 2019. There, there is nothing stopping him except himself. So, okay. I'm I'm not sure I would say rapidly declining. I would say he needs to prove himself. Let me jump in. I am the unbiased <laughs> voice in this fight. Unbiased. Will is a Dallas Cowboys fan, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already figured that out. Surprise. <laughs> Chris is the man with the hot takes. <laughs> okay. Zeke, 
Yes, he had a terrible year last year. I think he has gotten lazy since he got paid. He dropped the ball way too many times. But when you're on a team that is designed to have their quarterback throw for five, 6,000 yards, and you take that away, and I agree with you, Will, their quarterback situation last year was atrocious. They got no help. As much as I was not impressed with what I saw out of Zeke last year, because you're paying the guy enough money to be able to carry the team to some extent. And everything we have heard, everybody talks about him like he's as talented as Adrian Peterson. Sorry, Adrian Peterson will carry a team on his back in his prime. He has. He's Zeke all did not. Zeke folded. Now, that said, he did have everybody keying on him every game. So do I blame him? No, not entirely. I think they're paying him too much. I do think Dallas is clearly the most... Uh, well... Yes, I do think they're clearly the most talented team in this division. I do think they will win this division. Offensively like, talented. Fair enough. Chris, I like what you said about Washington. Washington's defense, especially their defensive line, was impressive last year. I am a fan of the Amish rifle. Okay? <laughs> I do think that that him at quarterback is a wild card. Okay? He's not... I don't think he's a pro bowler. But he's scrappy as hell, and we've—I think we've all learned not to underestimate Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let me so, it this way, because Chris actually talked me into this. Now he, Chris, talked me into this take with his passion, and I really do think now that Dallas is going to win this. But if let me phrase it this way about Ryan Fitzpatrick as a quarterback of Washington, considering how garbage that entire division is, would anyone be surprised if this time next year, or rather even at the end of the season, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the best quarterback left in that division? Would anyone truly be surprised? I would not that, be surprised. That would mean Dak gets injured. I would. Yeah. I would I would not no, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a better season. If he, I'm saying in general, no. like I'm saying like I, I, in that division. If Dak plays surprised. sixteen games, there's not a chance in heaven. Yeah, I I that I don't know if I agree with that. No so way. I, not even no way. remotely close. If Dak plays sixteen games, Fitzpatrick is not even in the same conversation. I think Fitz will I think Patrick might get a whiff of jo- of, of of his jock strap, but I honestly don't think he's I even think, close. Okay. I think Fitzpatrick will, yeah. is scrappy, but he's not he's not Dak. Dak is, is putting the up real deal. Five hundred yards this year and no. two touchdowns. Mark my words. Fitz, not a Fitz, don't mark that. Fitz, don't mark Fitz that. Forty five hundred. I'm writing this down. <laughs> I Fitz, think forty five hundred uh, yards and twenty two touchdowns. Thirty two. 32. Yeah. Oh, so I think yeah, Fitz peaks. Okay. I think he peaks at 3,600 yards, and that's the best case scenario: 3,600 yards and like 26 touchdowns. I don't see. I don't see Fitz doing more than that, just because that offense right, isn't built enough. for that yet. Fair enough. Will or sorry, Chris. Somebody said something about a no. Was it Will? A first year QB in Philly. Oh, I think he meant Jalen Hurts. Yeah, first year full time starter. First year going into camp. I see. I see. All right. That's uh yeah okay I mean I think Washington's probably going to surprise people some people I think the NFC East is always actually I mean this happens in every division but I always think the NFC East particularly divisional games get wacky like it doesn't matter mm, yeah. how bad a team is Washington has had some historically bad teams the past decade and they upset Dallas 
like randomly out of nowhere and they have no business doing it but somehow the games are always close the giants pull one out here and there when they're terrible it, it's a hard division to predict but i honestly think dallas wins uh ooh, washington second philly third the giants bringing up the rear because i don't know what's going on in in new york right now it's it's uh looking kind of ugly like i don't know why everybody's retiring i don't know how much to read into that but i'm sorry if you got what three players retiring in four yeah, days and none of them are in a month none of them relevant it's just a simple answer and, and, and a week after the roster had a full-blown meltdown on the field and training camp like as much as you know, emotions run hot, and that that's the party line that everybody's telling the media, oh, emotions run hot in training camp, it's okay, we're all cooled down, we're all good now. I don't necessarily believe that. That's one thing, if two players get into it for about 15 seconds, it's a different story when you're clearing the bench, and, and you've got, you know, 20 guys involved in a brawl. That, to me, speaks to a different kind of uh, culture, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like that if that was my team uh, to to hear that that's kind of what was going on. It wouldn't impress nope. me. I agree. And then three guys retired, which I get. Some of them you can say, oh, you know, like Looney, he, you know, he was at towards the end of his career and he claims his body just wasn't feeling it anymore. That may be perfectly true. Uh, but it's just a little bit suspect when it comes right on the back of some media coverage where the team had some division and and then you get a few guys saying yeah i'm done yeah the, but the other guys who retired like i literally never heard their names before i didn't know who they were those guys i'd be surprised they're on the roster if they retired sure but i mean travis benjamin or sorry kevin benjamin retired as well and or sorry did he retire right he retired kevin benjamin is right well, he got, no, he got cut and then he retired saying basically, well, whatever, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. The Giants suck. Like, it, yeah, was, so it was sour grapes. I, I, I think a lot of this is bad timing. I don't know what to make of the, the brawl because, honestly, that's the first I heard of it was Will just recounting that. But I think the retirement, the rash retirements is just I, – I would chalk that up to, from my take of it, before hearing about that, that brawl thing was just inconvenient timing. I didn't make much of it. I think – Joe Judge is probably a better coach. We don't know, but I my gut feeling is he's a better coach than whoever they hired in, in, in Philly because he had a very bad roster and Saquon went down last year. Uh, and they weren't, I'm not saying they were a good team. They weren't, they were six and 10, but they had some flashes minus Daniel Jones of competency, especially on the defense side of the ball. Like that Giants team is a team that can sneak it, sneak in a few wins against middling fringe playoff teams. Um, I think they'll finish third. I don't think they'll sniff Dallas or Washington for one or two, but I think they finish on top of Philly because I don't know who, what quantity or what what quality of coach they brought in. Uh, Howie Roseman is is increasingly becoming unhinged, and that roster is falling apart, and they're old, and they have no weapons, and Jalen Hurts has nothing like that. If I may interject, Chris, your point I like Jalen Hurts. Being unhinged. I like him too. Yeah. I don't think it's Howie Roseman quite as, quite being unhinged so much as much as it's maybe Jeffrey Lurie interfering. But both also your points, I also quite like Jalen Hurts. And I really hope that Philly actually gives him a shot to compete because that Nick Sirianni guy at head coach looks like a, such a t- – he, he looks like the 
at least from where I'm sitting, not quite an Adam Gase in the making, but like someone who is equally as inept. Like, I'm not sure if you guys heard that analogy. He was, uh, he was showing people freaking his Kobayashi videos as at training camp. Did you guys hear about that? He no. was showing people how to eat a hot dog prop. Like he was showing people vid- like video of Kobayashi or whatever his name is, like in a hot dog eating contest against Joey Chestnut and trying to break that down. Like this is what it takes to win. I'm like, who the hell opens up a training camp like that? But that's, that's, that's your coach. So, uh, so talking, yeah. yeah, you need approach to motivation. Yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying is like Philly is not giving Jalen Hurts a chance to succeed. And like you guys said, I think he's, flashed enough last year that he should at least be given a shot this a fair shot this year to prove he is or is not the guy and i don't think he's getting that i think he's going to who who is gonna start in his no, place no no not starting his place i mean i, I mean fair shot is in like sur- like building the team and surrounding him with chances to be successful like that in that sense. oh yeah that. okay fair he's enough fair enough no i mean i don't think <laughs> they gave him that. Yeah, I don't think he's getting a fair shot in that he's got a decent team. He doesn't have a very good team. No. So he's kind of, yeah, he's yeah. kind of, you know, set up to fail a little bit, which sucks. And, but and hopefully he surprises Philly, some people. But what does that say about Philly? Yeah. Where the best just just as, as an aside, I don't really read a whole lot into this one particularly, but the um, <laughs> because it's the NFC East. But the Philly, the, the Philly strength of schedule is the easiest schedule in the league. Dallas has the and second easiest the schedule in the league. And the New York Giants have the, uh, what are we ranked here? Like the seventh, eighth easiest schedule in the league. You know why? It's because they're all playing Because other. they're in the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, they all suck. <laughs> they, they, they all they suck were last year. One of the worst divisions in the league last year if not the worst and so strength of schedule i think it's largely all time. based on that yeah, yeah like it was record-breaking yeah um, so it doesn't entirely surprise me it says it's going to be the easiest schedule but honestly i think each and every one of those teams is going to make a big improvement this year yeah uh so i, I don't think it'll be the easiest by the end of the year that's my prediction okay fair enough all right well that's basically that that wraps up the previews i think uh what other big news did we have this week that we wanted to get into is there anything you guys any other rabbit holes you wanted to go down before we sign off Hall of Fame. Honestly, just that. Listen to some of the speeches and the guys talk. Uh, Peyton Manning, at least, was my favorite speech, and I really loved uh, listening to kind of everyone, but Peyton's, I thought, was he was an excellent storyteller, and by God, it sure, it sure sounded like he was making some kind of pitch. I know we talked about it earlier, fellas, to potentially be a commission in the NFL later, and from where I'm sitting, in my head as I'm running through that hypo- that very unlikely hypothetical I'm like, God damn, is Peyton really that petty that he's upset that Tom is so clearly one away, ran away with that greatest of all time argument <laughs> that he thinks this is the way he's going to get back on top is being the commissioner who, quote unquote, saved football from Roger Goodell. Because honestly, like as someone who likes observing business from afar, kudos, that's a fucking power move. <laughs> like, yeah, you may run the NFL, but I run the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a that's what. So I'd be I'd be interested because I know Goodell's contract is up after his current CBA, and from what I've heard, he's not going to come back, right? So we will be having a new commissioner soon. And if when I get to the say CBA it, which up? I don't, a CBA is up. Uh, whenever that new contract is up, and what the hell is it up? 
Actually, let's Google that. Let's figure it out. But regardless, in the next couple of years, I think it's up by 2025, if I'm not mistaken. I would but be down. I would be, I would be like very happy for Peyton uh, commissionership, yeah, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Like that, that's such a, that's such a technical. And Peyton Manning is very smart. He probably would test very highly on the on, on any IQ test. I don't know how much stock you guys put into that, but that is kind of the standard unit unit of intelligence measurement. So um, he's he's a very intelligent person, I'd say. Uh, but I think you need to have a legal background or some other hyper uh, advanced business background to get the to get that high right away i think what the move for him is to go into the broadcasting right away he's gonna be a broadcaster for at least 10 years he's gonna kill it he's gonna be as good as tony romo i think because because he's hilarious tony romo is great for prediction tony romo has a sense of humor as well but peyton manning is so damn charming with that southern drawl and his humor and his kind of like quick witticisms um that being said though if to entertain your hypothetical for a sec phil if he became commissioner, I don't think anyone would would look at him as better than Brady still. I really don't because Magic Johnson went into managing and being like the front office guy for the Lakers and had some success there with the Lakers, right? But oh, I'm not talking I'm but not talking yet, about legacy. I'm talking but even, legacy. But even even still though, I don't think even though Jordan himself went into owning the, the Charlotte franchise, I don't think Magic doing what he did because he was very much as a contemporary considered to be butting heads with Jordan in terms of who's better for the longest time. So I don't think that in the same way that magic success with the Lakers didn't make people think he was, had a better legacy than Jordan because they still just I, like emphasize their playing careers. I, I said something the same with, uh, with Pat. Here's where it's different. Here's where it's different. Well, is no. That so, it's... so let me just quickly finish because Tom Brady is going to be so mythologized for what he did. Because, like, think about it. Go back four years ago. Go back, everyone go back four years ago. Could you, if I told you someone would win seven Super Bowls, would you believe me? Because I thought it was impossible. <laughs> I thought it was impossible. I never would have thought until Brady did it that anyone could win more than five Super Bowls. Then he won six, then a seventh with the second team on his first year. He is the Wayne Gretzky of football. He is the, I don't know about Michael Jordan, LeBron, but whatever. He is the clear head and shoulders above everybody else who ever played the game. I don't care what Manning does post-career in the NFL, post-playing career. No one, he, he can't do anything to take that over in terms of but legacy. That, but, that's, but that's not where my thing comes in. My thing comes in as far as a legacy standpoint, playing career is one thing. As far as a legacy standpoint comes in, my whole thing there is that you hear the way Manning talks about the game, especially his induction speech, and it really got to me. Like You can tell us a guy who loves the game, but more importantly, has a vision for where he thinks the game should go. And I genuinely believe that his vision for it, which is a high powered, I'm assuming, offensive kind of vision of the game is what the NFL would want. So when you look at what the role of a commissioner is, there's only one commissioner. So to your points earlier, like there's plenty of GMs, there's plenty of owners in the league. Being an owner of GM isn't public facing and it's not as big for the Manning brand as being the only commissioner in the NFL, a role you could conceivably do for at least a couple of decades. I think Goodell took it over in the mid thousands anyways, did it for about a decade and a half, almost two years or two decades. So as far as a legacy to impact thing, like let's consider the things now, like the NFL players association does not get along with the owners right now. I know Tom Brady put out a message recently saying how like the, the salary cap's going down. So essentially players take a pay cut, but team revenue went up. So there's a lot of distrust and, and, and bad blood at the moment between the NFL PA and the NFL. So as far as what I'm thinking, I'm like, well, who the heck could be better situated to not only be the public face, because we all know how much NFL fans loathe Roger Goodell, who could be more, who could take on that public face of it, while also being the best liaison possible between the NFLPA 
and the actual owners, Peyton Manning. So that's what I'm saying. John like, Elway. Sure. Well, John Elway, <laughs> sure. But Peyton yeah. is more recent. Peyton still – Peyton played with – a lot of the guys were still in the league, right? Nobody All was right. in the league when John Elway was still playing. So – there is, there is a bit of that, my my take on that. So the big knock against Peyton is that he hasn't held a, a severe, like, strictly business role, uh, really technical business role anywhere. Um, and it is important in that role. So one of the possible steps for him is to go the John Elway route, to go into a team and be a team president, something like that, get some business steps under him. Uh, but that just reinforces the point of why John Elway might be ahead of him in that regard, because he's already done that. I understand there's a recency thing there where, yeah, Peyton has some personal relationships with some players right now. But if he's not getting in until, if we're not talking about him until 2025, well, how many people will have played with Peyton by the time 2025 rolls around? And how many people are going to have the right, like, is he going to have the trust to be named commissioner if he's never held a really business-facing role like that? Uh, I think there'd be some hesitancy there. I think John Elway stands a better chance uh, at being that player liaison. After um, going the ex-player route, yeah. All right. Yeah, so here's my take on it, and and I've I've read a couple. Of, I I thought I thought it was an exceptional speech, and uh, I was moved by the speech, and I agree with you, Phil. <sighs> It definitely sounded like he has this, um, he feels this commitment to the game and this vision for what it should be, and he wants to contribute to its future. I don't know that I see him being commissioner. I think it would be great. Honestly, I would love to see him be commissioner. Uh, and I think he could do it. Um, I agree with you, Will. He's never done the business. He's never been a CEO. And that's what it is. You're being a CEO at the highest level. So my personal take is, though, the commissioner is not hired to be player-friendly. They're not hired to be liked by fans. They don't care. The owners don't care. The owners think Goodell is wonderful. They think he has done an exceptional job as commissioner. They pay him 50 to $60 million a year to take it on the chin from fans and to manage crisis between the Players Association and fans and all of that and be the face of the league while negotiating to bring in bigger and bigger bags of money, which he has done exponentially. When you're signing it, 11 billion dollar tv contracts the owners love you he negotiated to get an extra football game in the season the owners love him so the fact that we all love peyton and would love to see him as commissioner is irrelevant the owners don't care they want someone who's going to take the league and grow it and make more money for them so wow, if you're looking scary. at it from that perspective, I don't, I don't, I don't think he has any better chance than, than anybody else. And I've read a couple of the pundits that are fairly plugged in, or have a pretty good knowledge of these guys. And their guess is that, no, he wouldn't do it, even if they asked him to do it. 
And I think that he wouldn't be able to take over as commissioner until 2026. Like, the, I mean, the get the guess is, I mean, Roger could step down anytime. He's he's what in his he's 60, something like that. Anyways, they figure he'll probably do it for another five years before he steps away. So you're talking 2026 before Peyton would get a a, a, a look. Anyways, I think it would be great. I love the idea, but I don't think it'll happen. I think he'll find something else. That was a very elegant way to throw a bunch of cold water in my burning desires there. To see <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're, you're true. It's, it's true. money. I mean, and like you said, what's true, money does talk. But that's where I do hope that eventually the owners start to realize that, like, if you want to grow the game and keep taking it forwards, you gotta you got to embrace a little bit more player friendliness. Like, you got – because they are the product. They are what – like, they are your marketing vehicle. So it's like if you make them a little happier and less willing to throw shade on you – then I don't know, but that's just me being all high-minded. So yeah. player friendliness, dude, have you not seen the drafts? Like Goodell has got those handshakes down to an art, man. He's a G. That's true. That's true. I hate him as a fan, but I, if I were, if I ever were a player, I would certainly love to give him a bear hug. I'm not going to lie. So. <laughs> hey, 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 Phil. Hey, Peyton for uh team president for uh, New England. Oh no, no, no. I can take the bus here. I can't take team president of England. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and then and then he and then he wins ten Super Bowls oh, as president. Oh, that, that feels Put so that in your dirty. pipe and smoke it, Brady. Oh, 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 God. That, oh, that would do something for his legacy. That would do something for his legacy. Forever unclean. Okay, one more, one more thing. We got to sign off, but one more thing. I just wanted to toss in there as a a, a nice little Wednesday nugget. Actually, this is Tuesday night. Tuesday nugget. Phil Rivers has not ruled out coming back to play in the NFL. Yes. He'll, he'll be there through week eight, and then he's going to retire. Golly. And comes back. There go. <laughs> I'll take him as a backup in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Dak goes down, they're going to call Rivers and say, come on, sign with us. That actually pretty <laughs> I, I would take Rivers any day over Andy Dalton and I like most that. of the backups in the league. I like that. I, I would Dak, Dak gets his other ankle folded. Over and rivers. <laughs> Don't even say it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Great. Well, that was fun. Great job, guys. Thank you for joining us, Phil. Too. Much less. We, uh, we hope to see you more often. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll do it again next week. All right. Well, that wraps up episode two of the Shovel Pass NFL podcast. Thank you for checking us out. We appreciate you. If you liked what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, follow, tell your friends, and be sure to come back next week because next week we get into the AFC-NFC South preview episode. So we're going to be talking Tom Brady and the Bucks and their quest to repeat. We're going to talk New Orleans Saints without Drew Brees. We're going to get into Carolina and what they can expect out of their trade for Sam Darnold. Anyways, it's promises to be another fun episode so please come back and listen in and until then thank you again take care